Well, I just feel something different is going to happen here in just a few minutes that we have. Luke chapter 2 lifts verse 40, beginning with verse 40 uh, through 52. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and then he was church. 12. Y'all got to be with me. That's a test, y'all. And when he was, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the, the boy lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So uh, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about church? My father's business. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business for just a few minutes? I am going to expedite my sermon. I want to talk about turning it up and giving back to God the things that God has already given to you. So here at this church, when I graduated from Indiana State University, I secured a job at this place called, help me if you remember this, Indiana Bale, which later became Ameritech which later became AT&T. I was in sales, but I didn't work on commissions. I had a salary job, which was cool for a while, but as I got more proficient, I got better at selling. I realized that my salary job wasn't getting it. I wanted to share in more of the profits. Uh, so I decided to go into business for myself. I'd always been pretty good with my hands, so I took the buyout from the company. I hadn't been there long. They offered a buyout, I took it. They gave me a lump sum of money, and I used the money to start my own business. And then I went back to work for Ameritech on contract. I just, they paid me money, more money, but I didn't have benefits. It worked well for a while, but then I ran in smack dab into a dilemma. I was making more money in my painting business than I was on my main job. So I took a leap of faith. You see, I, I became a side hustle pro. You ever heard that term? I took a leap of faith and went fully into my business. There were some ups and some downs, but ultimately, God blessed my business. I have a big testimony. You should ask me about it later. All of my children have followed my example of entrepreneurialism. All five of my children have their own business. Uh, but none of them were ever interested in taking on their father's business. They hated painting. <laughs> they hated the painting business. 
All of them spent time on painting jobs in one capacity or another, cleaning up, washing out brushes, sweeping up, vacuuming. And they did not like it except for the money they made as teenagers and in an emergency. Dad, I need $200. I got this thing you can do. <laughs> None of my children wanted to carry on or to be about their father's business. It is interesting to me because none of them would have had to start from scratch like I did. They could have built on the foundation I had already laid. We were rolling. But none of them envisioned themselves doing the type of work that I did, and none of them were interested. They didn't identify with it. And, and now, to be clear, I'm not mad at any of my children. I wanted them to pursue their own dreams. But it did teach me something. In order to do your father's business, you must A, love your father. I think they did. We checked that box. But you must also identify and love what they do. And none of my children identified. None of them loved getting that dirty. None of them loved being around those chemicals. None of them loved it. And so none of them wanted to do the father's business. Yes, today, Common Ground, I'm sure that we all would say that we love the father God. But that's not the question. The question is, do you love his work? Do you love his agenda? Do you love the mission of God? In our text today, we meet 12-year-old Jesus who declares that not only does he identify with his father's business, he understands the tasks that are involved in it, and he also understands the timing. Not only does he embrace God's agenda, but he's doing it in season, in time, in common ground. The question for us today is do we understand that this is our time, 2023, to focus on God's business? And God has graced us, and we have to turn it up. What we're really talking about today, church, is identity. Do you know who you are in 2023? Do you know who God is calling you and what God requires of you? I believe that God is calling us to turn it up in ways that we are uniquely positioned to advance his agenda. Jesus was comfortable in his own skin. And church, Jesus understood the assignment. Let's go back to the text. I don't have long uh, to look at some nuggets. And today I want to, the text reveals the evidence of a turn up. Number, verse number 40, as a child, Jesus grew strong. And, and for anybody who thinks that, that perhaps there's some misgivings and some misparenting in here, you should understand that the Bible says that as a child, Jesus grew and became strong. He was strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and in grace. And, and, and he didn't get there. If this is Jesus' stellar day, then this speaks well of Mary and Joseph. Because many believe that the words that he was uttering in the temple was because they had been diligent to teach them the way of the Lord, the lessons of the Lord. So this is not their misgiving. This is a compliment to their parenting. That the, the ultimate coronation of our parenting is that if we are positioned our kids to evolve into and to become and to mature into the person that God has ordained them to be. And so they get a check because Jesus is fulfilling his godly mission. The Bible says that this is something, this, this, this going to the Passover was a yearly ritual. 
It was something they did every year. And in fact, uh, it was customary. They, they would just go up there every year. But something was special this year that, that, that God says, now, it's not going to be like every other year. I'm going to use the Passover and I'm going to do something exciting. I'm going to do something that exceptional this year. And you and I have to believe, somebody agree with me, that 2023, God is going to do something exceptional this year. It's not going to be like every other year. The Bible said they went to the Passover every year, except God says, wait a minute, I'm doing something different this year. And when he was 12 years old, Jesus went to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. They were doing, church, what was customary. And customs in our society are important, but tell me if you agree with me. Customs also can become impotent. They can become stale and non-life-giving. That we can do it so often that we don't even know why we still do it. No spirit, no life, no vitality. Customary can become ritualistic, the same old, same old. But in this instant, God canceled customary. In 2023, at common ground. God is not going to do the same old stuff. God is going to shake it up this year. And somebody, excitement is in the air and tell me if you agree with me that we could use a shake up. God is doing something new. Would you rejoice with me that God is canceling customary? Bible said he lingered back and he did not follow Mary and Joseph I'm going to cut this part and just say it like this if you are in step with God you're not going to be able to be in step with everybody else the Bible said that they, they walked off and left him I'm not sure if they left him or if he left them. Y'all, when God calls, we can't go where everybody else is going. We can't do what everybody else is doing. There's an assignment attached to common ground. There's an assignment attached to your life. And y'all, we can't move with the crowd. We can't move with the flow because there's an anointed call on our life. And there's going to be some people who are going to leave us behind. And we're going to leave them behind. When we're on assignment with God, we will find that we are out of step with the world. You got to be comfortable with that. You can't feel like you're missing out on something. The best for you is in the will of God. That you're not missing anything God has for you. Let them go on. Your blessing is staying where God has assigned you. When you turn it up, you're going to have to turn away from some people. And they couldn't find him in close proximity. And y'all, as believers in God, we should be okay not being easy to find, not being easy to trace. And when they found him, they returned him to Jerusalem. Here, here, here's my big point today, because I want to get to the end of the sermon. Here's what I've experienced in life. I've been doing this since 1998. I was an associate pastor. I've had several 
stops in my career. Every place I went, every place I was assigned to minister, somebody doubted me. Here's what I believe the big, the big message of the text, because I'm cutting my sermon. One solid proof, common ground, that you're probably in the place you're supposed to be doing the thing that God has called you to do. One solid proof is that somebody close to you thinks you're lost. They think you've lost, you're lost, or that you have lost your mind. The world doesn't see it like God sees it in the world. So let me, let me give you this example. I have a picture of the most unique day in my ministry. I'm going to picture number one, show this up, and then I'm going to finish uh, if we have it. Okay. That's me and me ma, y'all. <laughs> That's how we got down. This picture is so significant because I was pastoring a church, you know that, and we were meeting in the auditorium at Ivy Tech. We didn't have a place to worship at home. We would go and set up and we'd leave like y'all did at, at, you know, for some years. But Ivy Tech, unbeknownst to most people, didn't want to be in the church business anymore, so they told me, at the beginning of the year, we couldn't have service there anymore. And tell anybody, but that was a pressure I had. And we began to pray for a new home. So I found this raggedy building, but it looked really good to me. Like, this is going to be the church, right? And I invited that lady to come. Like, like, like I'm walking on faith. And I see, and we get to secure this building. And I bring the one person that I know is going to agree with me. I bring the one person that I know is going to be excited. I want the one person that I know is going to see the vision. And she walked in. My mother saw those two dead Christmas trees and said, what in the world? (laughs) Man, it crushed me, right? Because I'm cool walking by faith, but sometimes faith needs a friend. And I just knew she was going to be faith's friend. She said, son, are you sure? Oh, man, that crushed me. And so I had to go walk along by faith. And the one person that I knew was going to see it didn't see it. And show the third picture. And that became this. And to go back to the first picture, after this, this lady came and we took this picture. And she said, I didn't come to see the church She said, I came to tell you that I didn't see this, but I didn't need to see it. You did. And from my own, when God shows you something, do it, whether anybody is with you or not. That is the picture that liberated my ministry right there. That picture right there. Come on and give God. What am I saying to you? Sometimes you're going to have to turn it up by yourself. Nobody's going to co-sign your turn up. It ain't a turn up if it's dependent on anybody but God. You got to be able to go in there and say, I know that I know that I know. And that's what's happening here. Let me finish like this. 2023 Common Ground demands something different from us. 2023 requires a shift in our priorities. We have 
a very unique mandate. We are a rare church. We are a church who's trying to do what God has called us to do. Not everybody wants to fulfill this agenda. This is a good idea until you try to start doing it. This is really cool. Until you got to change a bunch of stuff. Until you got to walk in what you're not familiar with. Until you have to walk in what's not comfortable to you. But God has called us to it. And what else are we going to do? And you and I have to believe, help me with this, that this is our year. This is our moment right here, right now, today in the sanctuary. This moment requires you and I to see ourselves differently like Jesus. This today is one of God's defining moments for us. This is our declaring moment. Hear this for your personal life. This moment stands you to, calls you to stand up and profess. I'm finishing now. Here's what you have to believe. Here's what I believed. My mother didn't. Now, to be fair to her, after this, nobody helped me more. But she couldn't help me get through that. I had to do it on my own. Here's what you have to believe. Here's what we have to believe about 2023 at Common Ground. We were made for this moment. And this moment was made for us. We're not lost in this moment. And this moment is not lost on us. We're going to seize this opportunity. Who knows when we get this group of people with this frame of mind, with this level of anointing again, we ain't worried about it because we're going to make this work. Going to seize the moment. God created this moment. I'm not too little for this moment. And this moment is not too big for me. Duty calls us, church. If you're here, you're listening to this, you've been recruited. There's no accident that you're here, even if you're visiting. The broken are crying out to common ground. The disenfranchised are calling out to common ground. The poor are crying out to us. The Asian student killed at IUPUI is crying out to us. The vulnerable, the overlooked, the powerless, they're all crying out to us. Man, Carter... <laughs> The memory of Herman Whitfield III cries out to us. The young man tased by the L.A. police is crying out to us. The worker, Dr. King, is crying out to us. These are defining moments, even in difficult days. So every encounter is important because we do not know how God is using it. It is our time, common ground to turn it up. Here's what Jesus did. He used the developments of the first 12 years of his life to define who he was going to be the next 21. This day, he told us who he was going to be for the next 21 years. I've lived 12 years. That's enough for me to know who I am. By now, Common Ground, we've lived into this value long enough to define who we're going to be forever. We got enough evidence of that. We have a good enough understanding of that. Y'all, this is just who we are. Other people are who they are, but this is who we are. As a church, we're using January of 2023 to define who we're going to be the next 11 months. Perhaps today is your time to come to terms. Perhaps this is a day that God is doing something different God is canceling customary. Whatever you used to, God says, I'm not doing it that way no more. 
and you have to get used to something different. Maybe there is a message inside of what is mundane. There is a revelation in our rituals. There's a new message trapped in our old methodology, and I will finish it like this. What is God saying to common ground? Equity, equality, justice, and inclusion, that is God's business. Having a heart of compassion is God's business. Feeding the hungry is God's business. Inviting people to know Jesus is God's business. Decentering whiteness is God's business. Equal access is God's business. Equal opportunity is God's business. Reaching across cultural lines, y'all, that is God's business. Growing past our preferences is God's business. Preferring one another above ourselves is God's business. Advocating for the powerless. Speaking for the voiceless. Crying loud and sparing not. Y'all, that is God's business. We are uniquely positioned to do God's business. Calling out racism. Rejecting the notion of preference. That is God's business. So today, maybe where you sit, maybe as a church, maybe as a family, maybe as an individual, like Mary and Joseph, you need to stop, turn around, and go back and find Jesus. There may be somebody in here this morning that needs to go back and find Jesus. Maybe you got married and you left Jesus at the altar. Go back and find him. Maybe you went to school and left Jesus at graduation day. Go back and find him. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you don't know what to do in 2023. Go back and find Jesus. Because when you find Jesus, what you'll find is that Jesus has really found you. Letting Jesus lead us is God's business. Letting Jesus heal us, hallelujah, it is God's business. And letting Jesus use us, y'all, that is God's business. Come on, let's give God praise. I want, I want to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. It was a big day here. But we hear you telling us to turn it up. You've positioned us to turn it up. You've positioned us to be difference makers. We want to do your business because we love you. And we love what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.